0: Martin banks it off, Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front,
1: Live. In the entertainment capital of the world.
2: Leading goal scorer on the team, drew one in front, It's the T.C. Martin
0: Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net.
1: Get your daily prescription from The Doctor.
3: A
0: power play goal by the captain, T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by
3: Richard Funt. And right up front. Yager, Bennett side of the net. Scores! The Doctor is now in. Happy Friday to you as we uh, get ready for a weekend, but it'll be a weekend without hockey here in Las Vegas. As the Golden Knights lose last night in Montreal, game number 6 yours truly vgk ballpark frank be breaking it down for you today we are live at sunset station right here at the stn sports studio you gotta love it the stn mobile sports studio get that mobile app if you don't have it already and get ready to wager on some fantastic games over the course of this weekend or as well as some boxing some ufc and all that stuff as well too we've got nba playoffs we do have a Game 7 tonight in the NHL, of course, with Tampa Bay and the Islanders. Uh, so, yeah, get the mobile app ready to go. College World Series, Major League Baseball, a plethora of things to wager on the STN mobile app. So we are live here at Sunset Station this Friday afternoon. Glad to have you with us today. We want to talk about Golden Knights. And uh, love to get your take as well, too, at some point during the show today as well. Uh, with your phone calls, two two I'm very curious to see and hear from Golden Knights fans today on how they're feeling. Because, Frank, this is one of these days that uh, it's a wrap-up show. Wrapped up uh, the season last night with a loss. The series, I know a lot of Golden Knights fans were hoping to have that game number seven at T-Mobile Arena On Saturday night, well, we don't have to worry about what we're going to do Saturday night, whether it was uh, go uh, over to the Virgin Hotels to see Lomachenko in the the boxing, the top rank in ESPN, and try to get both of those functions in because the Golden Knights will not be playing a Game 7. And unfortunately, another disappointing end to a season and into a series for the Golden Knights.
2: Well, yeah, and especially when you consider what a huge favorite they were, and a lot of people overlooked Montreal. I think uh, we were guilty of that to a little bit. I thought that Vegas was the better team. On paper, I still think they're the better team, but Montreal made some adjustments after game one. Their penalty kill was absolutely sensational, and uh, let's give it up to the Montreal Canadiens. I, I thought they outplayed them. I thought Carey Price was very good. Uh, I'm not putting this on the Vegas goaltending, whether it's Leonard or Fleury, but, um, you know, Sometimes teams find a groove, and Montreal is the consummate counterpuncher, and now they're going to the uh, Stanley Cup final, trying to win the first Canadian Stanley Cup since 1993. There have been five Canadian teams that made it to the final, all five of those teams ended up losing in the final, so we'll see what happens there. And there is a game seven tonight between the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I believe Tampa Bay's about a minus 165 in that one. Uh, the status on Kucherov right now is up in the air. I guess it's a game-time decision, so we'll see if he plays or not. But I never trust coaches, especially at this time of year, for what's going on there. But yeah, I, I thought it was interesting uh, listening to some of the post-game show on the, on the way home last night after going out and watching the game with some friends and then looking at Twitter and, you know, the other social media platforms and that. And people are either very positive saying, tough season, but we'll come back even stronger and better to all the way to basically fire everybody, you know. Uh, Hey, you know, Pete DeBoer's got to go. We need new coaches. We need new players. They all let us down. And it's like, well, uh, pump your brakes because remember this, whenever you say fire everybody, who are you replacing them with? (laughs) You know? I mean, it's great that you're mad at somebody and you're going to blame them for it. You fire Pete DeBoer, what coach out there that's available right now is better than Pete DeBoer? You're not going to get rid of Stone and Patcheretti and those guys, even though they they certainly did not uh, take care of things here in this series against Montreal. But, you know, people overreact and social media. Everybody gets their, uh, their little say on everything. And a lot of people just kind of show that they really have no idea what the hell they're talking about.
3: <laughs> it's still a... I don't want to say. Relatively new. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, well, the franchise, as we know, is still in their infancy. Okay, we get that. And therefore, you still have. You don't have that diehard fan base. You don't have the most educated hockey fans. And, again, that's not an insult. I mean, that's just a fact, and that's expected. And there are some people that know their hockey and love their hockey that follow the Golden Knights, that are Golden Knights season ticket holders and watch every game. But, again, there are people, and there's nothing wrong with this at all, people that just go to the games for the atmosphere, for the party, and, and that's fine. So And watching again, the game doesn't mean you know the game. And exactly. I think that's what you're
2: alluding to. Yeah, I think exactly. the fans are yeah. diehard, yeah. but, they're but like you said, they're not the most Although yeah. there are a lot that are very yeah. knowledgeable, yeah. but but the overreaction, and I realize that's the world we live yeah. in, and probably always has been, but now with social media, you just see it bang right in your face that much quicker and yeah. that
3: much more. Everybody has an opinion, <laughs> you know. With social media, we you know understand what those that. Those are like, <laughs> and, and the thing is, too. Yes, we've talked about this so many times. You get spoiled. In season one, these fans got spoiled. You go to the Stanley Cup because again, you know, we remember from the inception here. You know, prior uh, just the announcement, it's like, "Wow, okay, Golden Knights. I mean, are, are you kidding me? You know, first of all, hockey in the desert? Okay. You know, it it'll, it'll work. It'll be maybe a novelty for a little bit. It'll be a honeymoon period for a bit. And then again, they Bill Foley and company went about things uh, the right way. Uh, they promoted it properly. Uh, they gave the fans great engagement opportunities to go to T-Mobile Arena. And then lo and behold, boom, they're good. <laughs> and they start winning. And so a fan base does get spoiled with victory. And we're not talking about just having more wins and losses in that inaugural season. We're not talking about maybe you know getting to the playoffs and win winning a series or two. They did three and almost won four going to the Stanley Cup Finals. So and I think that's great. I think it's fantastic. It has really helped elevate the uh, popularity of of not only the Golden Knights, but the NHL in Las Vegas, but sports in general as well, too. And and you can point to the Golden Knights having success. Why the Raiders made it a point to come here. Why the Las Vegas Aces made it a point to come here. Why we're now having these conversations about Major League Baseball and the NBA. I mean, the Oakland A's very, very, very soon could be calling Las Vegas home. And the Golden Knights have a lot to do with that. So, again, I don't get wrapped up in, in what people... Say and like you said, maybe you know social media and not having the most knowledgeable fan base and everything of that nature. People uh, want sure to win. There's nothing wrong with that.
2: Yeah, I'm sure that happens in every city. Oh, yeah. e- even the cities where the original six in that, there's still some fans out there that don't know what they're talking about or they want to spew their information. We, hear that and, in Nash- we heard it in Nashville years ago absolutely. and other places and, and like that, too. too. I remember yeah. it in San Jose. Yeah, it, it, in an awful way lot of ways. When. Remember, social media sometimes is just aid too. Mm. A lot of people just want to spew their, you know, get things off their chest and be mean and evil and say everything's got to change or whatever. But I am curious to see what they do in the off season. I know one of the excuses that a lot of Vegas Golden Knights fans had, it seemed like this entire playoff, uh, even before the Colorado Series, when they were expecting that maybe they would lose that. And we heard the narrative of, well, you can't have $12 million in goalies. I mean, that's too much. It's like 20% of the salary cap. It's too much money. They've got to do something. What are they going to do with Leonard and Fleury? Well, for those people, I'm just going to say one thing. Montreal Canadiens have $14 million in salary cap. Carey Price makes $10.5 million himself, and they also have a backup goalie. So don't put it just on there's too much money in goaltenders. The tandem of Leonard and Fleury worked this year. It worked very, very well, and that's not the reason they lost here in the playoffs. Montreal outplayed him, and let's make no mistake about it. And Mark Stone, to his credit, took full culpability last night. He said he stunk it up. He, he didn't do anything. He didn't have a point, you know. He's the captain of the team. He had chances, Patcheretti had chances, yeah, Patcharetti and then Smith last night finally got a goal. They got nothing from their top two lines essentially. The defenseman did most of the scoring and the power play, you can't go over fifteen. <laughs> It's, it's just inexcusable.
3: You can't do it. All right, let's uh, replay the game from last night. Let's uh, go to the goal scoring. We talked about it all series long. The team that gets out and scores first, advantage, especially if it's Montreal. And guess what happened last night? The Canadians, first period, score first. Weber got the first goal for Montreal. Uh, then Riley Smith. He comes back and, and answers the bell uh, for the Golden Knights, and then next thing you know, I mean, here we are in the first period, and, and it's
2: 1-1. And, and and to the Golden Knights' credit, they they did bounce right back immediately, and they did score. I think it was only 48 seconds later that uh, Riley Smith scored. So, but, but, again, it's still that mindset of chasing a game. Yeah, they came back quickly, but they were still chasing the game at that point. So, you know, uh, it's... Uh, It's very tough to do, especially against a team like Montreal. And that Weber goal, that, you know, the one guy on this team, on the defense, well, maybe Petrangelo the way that he played in that series as well because he was sensational in the playoffs. But you don't expect Alec Martinez to make that turnover and give it to Shea Weber, who hadn't scored a goal in this series, but he still has one of, if not the hardest shots in the NHL. Now, I get it. Martinez's stick broke. Those kind of things happen. But, boy, I mean... I don't think Robin Leonard was ready at all for Shea Weber to have the puck from there because he knew that Martinez was the guy in the corner. Those are turnovers that can really hurt you.
3: You know, we talked about the team that scores first, especially Montreal, that quick start again, Montreal 10-2 when they score the first goal in the playoffs, when they score two goals. 10-0 10-0 in the playoffs. So obviously that added up to another loss for the Golden Knights. And, you know, when, when we were in the first period there and we had this nip-and-tuck game, we said, okay, we know what's happening here. We're going to get another low-scoring game. What is going to happen with that second period? And we've seen pivotal, pivotal second periods during the course of this with both teams, uh, you know, either one succumbing or one really, you know, taking the lead here. And then Caulfield hit that goal for... For Montreal in, in the second period, and then as we head, uh, you know, head to the third with the Golden Knights trailing 2-1 again. I don't know about you, but it just had that feeling like, okay, I don't believe, or just don't have the feeling that they can get over the hump here again. And especially the way Montreal is playing, the way uh, they've had this confidence basically brewing really for, after the first game on. And uh, like you said, you know, Martinez, you know, he he scored the goal. Uh, to tie it up at at two, which is fantastic. And it was like, okay, here we go. And it was early in the
2: third, it was early. So at that point, I thought, okay, they do have a shot now because they tied it up again. They've climbed the mountain twice. But like I said, sometimes it takes so much out of you to try to climb that mountain and get back into it. Martinez made amends, basically, for the turnover that he had before, and they're right back in the game. But at that point, you're still wondering. It's like, okay, Robin Leonard's playing well. But Carey Price, and and that goal, the Martinez goal, remember this too, the initial shot comes, Carey Price catches that puck 99 out of 100 times. It was a goal that Martinez was right there and he took advantage of it, but that's one that I know for a fact Carey Price would like back because they gave Vegas an opportunity and Martinez, who's really a more intelligent player than I even realized. I always knew he was a good player, but he just doesn't make mistakes. And like I said, okay, he had the turnover. His stick broke on that play. But but he's a big part of this, but he was right on the doorstep. Carey Price made probably the only mistake he made all night, and Martinez capitalized on it to put him right back in the game. You
3: can make the argument that uh, Carey Price could have pitched a shutout last night as well, too, with those two goals that that, that he gave up. So then we go into overtime, and then uh, it didn't take long, like we've been accustomed to seeing. We just saw it the night before with the Islanders in Tampa Bay, with the Islanders sending this to a seventh game with a quick overtime uh, goal, and the same thing happened again last night. Except the difference was this ended the series, this ended the season for the Golden Knights, and the Montreal Canadiens get the job done and they win three to two in overtime in eliminating the Golden Knights. So there are plenty of questions here. Uh, let's let's first start with you know the closeness of this series could have gone either way. Uh, three of the last four games go into OT, Golden Knights on the short end of two out of, uh, of three of those, just uh, kind of unfortunate. What was your feeling when we went to the OT?
2: Well, when they went to the OT, I thought Carey Price is going to be awful difficult to beat in this uh, situation here. And we spoke about it um, beforehand. Carey Price, he's had a great career. For most of his career, he's been considered the best goalie in the league, whether he's in the running for the Vesna Trophy or not, because he's played on some teams that weren't that great. He's got to be looking at this is by far his best chance to win a Stanley Cup. And I don't know that they get back here again, and that's not a shot at the Montreal Canadiens. But when we go back and they don't have a Canadian division, the normal division they play in is much tougher than it was up in the Canadian division this year. So I think that he's fired up for that. The young players are coming to the forefront. The veterans have played well for Montreal. So I thought they were going to be tough to beat, but I thought, okay, this is one of those things, you know. And remember, too, in the overtime, you have the long change again like you do the second period. And I mentioned to the people I was with, watch for some kind of a breakaway or odd man rush because usually in the overtimes it's either a goal that bounces off people and it's kind of a greasy, kind of nasty, dirty goal like Martinez scored against the Blackhawks years ago to send them to the Stanley Cup final, or it's an odd man rush type situation. Carey Price made some huge huge saves, one on Pacioretty. And then he made the save that went off his shoulder. I think it was Martinez that actually took the shot. And then they got the odd man rush, and Lekkinen made no mistake on it whatsoever. I'll tell you what. I mean, Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Lek, I mean, the youngsters on this team, I know there's some veteran leadership, but, boy, they have some youngsters that are fun to watch, and they have speed, and they have no fear right now. It's almost like, and again, to use a Vegas-type term, they're playing with house money. They have an opportunity, and they seize seized it up to this point. Now, does that mean they're going to win the cup? I'm not going to go that far. Like I mentioned, since '93, 93. Five Canadian teams have made it to the final. None of them have won. But they're in a position right now that they probably didn't think they were going to be in. And I think part of it is because they look at all these odds. I can't recall the last time that a team won a best-of-seven series, won it in six. And they were not only a huge dog going into the series pricing, but they were literally a dog in every game. Yes. Even at game six, after taking that lead... They never got
3: any respect from the odds makers. Every game, in every game, they were a substantial underdog. Yeah, last night was, Amazing. I think, only minus 145,
2: yeah. by far the lowest one. Right. But even, I mean, even that's a decent size. I mean, that's still so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I'm saying. Th- they yeah. got zero respect, yeah. even as great as they were playing.
3: But, again, a lot of this is skewed because it's Be- because Vegas. Because it's in Vegas. It's Vegas. And I get and, that, and, but and, it's still and, like... And the bookmakers have to protect themselves because there's tons of... of You know, a future money there, but have you ever
2: seen that in in a a baseball playoff, an NBA or a hockey? But
3: but again, it's. We've never been in a situation where it's skewed like this when you have and
2: I, and the, I get that.
3: The, the house team. Because there is no house team in gambling. But, even, in but even on
2: the offshores, I yeah. believe Vegas was still a, a, a slight favorite in all the well, games. Well,
3: no, no. The, the lines are always going to be the same. But, again, they're going to be set here. And so they're going to skew that and everyone's going to follow. And then you know people are going to go back and look like, okay, well, let's see. They had the most victories. you know, and, we, and we know. They tied with Colorado with points and victories. But they had the most victories and the most points of, of anybody. Okay, And, 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 and it, kudos to Matt Holt on our show
2: for coming out and saying, yes. if you're going to make money on this series, even if you think Vegas is going to win, the only way to do it is to bet Montreal on all the games. Well, because you only have to win one or two. Right. Well, they won four of the six. Yeah, not, so so you're cashing a lot of tickets.
3: Not only that, but uh, I, I don't know if he wants me to say mm-hmm. this or not. Well, he'll, he'll probably say it when we see him on Monday. But our very good friend, Double B, Brian Benowitz, bet Montreal after that conversation with Matt Holt after game one. And double B got plus seven hundred on the Montreal Canadiens. So yeah, he was a little bit bummed because we always hear him say "wee wee wee" because he's a big Golden Knights fan, season ticket holder, and and that sort of thing. But yeah, after game one, he said, "The value. I, I I've got to go ahead and put some money on this in the value." And he took the money that he had in his pocket and he says, G- "Give me the Canadians uh, to to win the series." And he goes, "I'll be happy either way." But seven to one, he's not crying today.
2: Wow. Next year, he's betting USC over UCLA, in football, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, you, wow. You can bring that up on Monday. Double B. Yeah. Betting against. Well, I, I guess that cushions a blow. If you're going to lose, at least you might as well cash in doing it. But, you know,
3: again, smart. That's a smart business move. You're going to go ahead and get plus 700. And, you know, all you have to do is is get the season, uh, get the series even. And they're on the road because when you, you know, split, then you regain. Actually, not regain, but you take home ice advantage. Because you got the majority of games at, at, at your home spot. And, it, and you, it just holds serve with that. And, you know, it's interesting,
2: too, because you talk about that. He made that bet after game one. The oh, the overreaction of the lines and people after game one. The Colorado, what they did to Vegas in game one, and all of a sudden they became a huge favorite. Mm-hmm. It was one game. It was an anomaly. We yeah, talked about that's that. That's when you jump See, on it. Season yeah. one when Vegas played the Washington Capitals. Vegas wins the first game. All of a sudden, oh, people are planning the parade route and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. In a seven-game series... It's about adjustments. Yeah, it's nice to win the first game, but the series is far from over. And we've seen that over and over and over again, but yet people still continue to do that. So I'm starting to think that the key to making money, if you're betting on seven-game series, is wait to see who loses game one and then see
3: what the odds go to. Well, this all goes back to like the in-game theory as well, too. I mean, you can jump on these in-game lines, like we've talked about so many times, and and if you get you know behind... Uh, you won nothing, and you still believe that your team has a shot to come back and win, and that's when you're going to get the ultimate value. And, in, and instead of Lane, and I can guarantee you, there were probably a lot of Golden Knights betters and fans when they fell behind to Montreal, one nothing, in the game last night. That they say, "Hey, now I can get plus money because they skew it that way. It's an algorithm, so it just automatically goes that way. But yeah, it's even more heavily skewed when the when the Golden Knights score first, or again they win that first game. The Golden Knights started the series as a minus 500 favorite. Went 450, went up to 500. We talked to Chuck Esposito, Nick Bogdanovich, and they're going, wow, here we go. And then, like you said, when we talked to Matt Hold on Monday, at that point in time, we're getting ready for game two. He goes, if you like the Golden Knights now, well, now you got to lay 1,100. Minus 1,100 to win $100. But if you like Montreal and you believe that they can even up this series at T-Mobile in game two, and then now... You know, have some luck with this. Going back to Montreal, which they did, yeah, you cash in plus seven hundred after game one. That's that's smart way. Even if you lost that bet, it's, you, it's still the right bet. It's exactly exactly. Yeah, you, you don't win every not
2: every bet that you win. Was the wrong was the right side, and not every bet that you lose was the wrong side. I mean, that's just like in hockey: the, the the team that outplays the other team doesn't always win the game. That's one of the frustrating things about it. And you know, it's interesting too because I know Chuck here down at Sunset Station, and uh, you know, all the sportsbook directors all around town, they all say they're cheering for the Golden Knights, even if it takes a little hit to the sportsbooks. You gotta wonder from the back of their head a little that they're
3: going. You know this was a really good series for us. <laughs> oh, there's no question. Oh, yeah. It's it's great business. I mean, at the end of the day or the end of the, you know, your weekend or you know, you're wrapping up a season and you're looking at this look what we did. And that's what they do. I mean, look at they look at all the the day's action, the night's action said, "Hey, and as we know in football, they'll look at the weekend, they'll look at the whole week like, "Hey, you know, this was a profitable week for us or it was a losing week for us." So to their bottom line, absolutely. And yeah. this is a money-making business. And of course, let's be honest, and they'll admit it too, it's a PR move as well too. You oh, want to say the right thing. You want to it's just like, you know, when you invite people to the book, it's like, hey, come! Oh, you, congratulations! Hey, hope you win and this and that. Bottom line, but it still is a battle: book versus player. Oh, and, absolutely! And, and and so, of course, you know they, you know, you've never seen, I've never really seen a mad bookmaker. You just you usually don't see that. And even if you want to go old school and go bookies and and you know places that that don't have legalized sports betting. You never see angry, ang- angry bookies because they know they they got to be nice and they're going to get your money back eventually. It's just like uh, the house always wins, just like whether it's blackjack, jackets, roulette or slots or whatever. Hey, we'll pay you out a royal flush and we'll pay you out all this stuff. Good, you know. Here we go. Here's a comp for dinner. Here's a hotel room because the longer you stay, well, we know we'll get it back eventually. Yeah, and, and that's the same theory here.
2: And again, you're right. I mean, it, it is smart business-wise and everything and, and and they might even be in a way Golden Knights fans, but from a business standpoint, you know, I mean, it's it it it's definitely the way to go and you know, it's uh, hockey's big and and the other thing about it and we talk about it all the time, and this might be the one place where they they are a little bit bummed is, you know, the the betting on the finals now is probably going to be less because the Golden Knights aren't in there. In yes. fact, there's no doubt about it that it's going to be a lot less because a lot of people now that are Golden Knights fans and not hockey fans don't care who wins the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. Now, they're going to be tuning in baseball or boxing or you know the other stuff that's going on, the NBA playoffs, mm-hmm. different things out there because they don't care. They don't want to see somebody else hoist the Stanley Cup. But you know, Vegas had a nice season and they have still gotten more people into hockey all around the board. So. It's a it's a nice thing, and you know, and what this series might have done is for some of the sportsbook directors is turn their staycations into vacations. It's like, okay, uh, yeah, let's pack the bags. Uh, uh, we we actually had a pretty good week here with Vegas and uh, Montreal. Bummer that they're out, but uh, you know, we we can actually go out of town
3: right now. You know what this will probably do, though, too. And of course, the handle will not be near as you know if the Golden Knights were playing, like you said. But what it does do, it kind of gets you familiar with a team or teams. So if you are, say you are a novice hockey fan, but then you like to bet, or you're a better and you just love to have the action and maybe you're not much of a hockey fan, but you've been betting all these games and you got a chance now to know Montreal and you're gonna think, Wow Okay, now I know this team, now I know Carey Price, I can see what he's all about. You know, I, I see the style they play. They play a lot of low scoring, you know, physical type of games. You know what? I'm gonna carry this over and I am gonna bet. You know, I'm gonna look where the value is. And especially if they're going against a team like maybe Tampa Bay who likes to get up and down the ice, hey, there's some value there. I'm gonna maybe I'll bet some unders. And they're gonna be a dog my... to
2: Tampa. I'm right. curious to see what the line would be against the Islanders. Yeah. Because I think that's going to be a lot closer right if that's the two that face off there right but Islanders yeah, will still have home ice
3: so they'll yeah. be a favorite right so yeah I think that you know from a betting perspective I think it'll it'll still do well just because and I think you will get that kind of that carryover a little bit and the same thing with you know people are watching the Golden Knights okay okay we're really into this hockey thing hey you know and we know that a lot of people are, are have been watching the Islanders in Tampa Bay as well too. And Tampa Bay has become kind of that little sexy, you know, kind of public team as well, too, because they're defending champs. They've been good for, you know, last few years and everything. So, yeah, maybe maybe it'll be okay. And, again, how many people are really going to, you know, watch this with intent? Maybe not as intently if the Golden Knights were playing. But I think there's that curious factor in the back. You know, once game one starts on Monday, it's like... Okay, let let me dive into this, and then if it is entertaining, and we have some close games and some good games, we don't have any eight nothing blowout games like we saw in Game Five in that Tampa uh, Islander series. That uh, you know maybe uh, you know people are going to watch this. Maybe the television ratings will not be that bad. And we'll see how it goes. And and speaking of television ratings, this is the last year for NBC, as we know, which I'm very sad about that, because you know how I I really love NBC's coverage. I think they do it better than anybody. Of course, I still miss Doc Emmerich not doing the play-by-play because he retired earlier this year.
2: Right. Just a class guy all the way around.
3: Yeah. And people will eventually get used to ESPN and ABC because they will, you know, fit their broadcasts with professional people that, that know hockey, but... NBC and hockey seem to go hand in hand, especially with NBC really not having much of the sports landscape except the Olympics. Right, over over the last few years, and actually, well, better part of the last couple of decades.
2: Yeah, and, and right now they're crossing their fingers that the Olympics do go on. Right. So you know, and, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later mm-hmm. too. But yeah, and the other thing about it too, and like you mentioned, it's like yeah, okay, the numbers aren't going to be big as big as if the Vegas Golden Knights were in the final. But one thing for sure. is... And I'm sure that you could get this across the board from every sportsbook director in town here, every ticket writer and everybody else. They're going to be a hell of a lot bigger than they were five or six years ago before the Vegas Golden Knights were out here. And like you said, maybe some people are going to go, well, Montreal beat us, so now they're going to win the cup. Because, you know, there is sometimes that thing of two where you want to go like, you know, there's like that that split between people. I want to say that we lost to the Stanley Cup champs, so then I can make the argument, oh, if we just would have got our stuff together, we'd be hoisting the trophy. Or sometimes they go the other way, and they go, they beat us, so the hell with them. I hope they lose to everybody. But you mentioned Tampa Bay's a sexy pick, and I think they're a sexy pick because people respect their talent, but I also think because they are so good, and they won the Cup last year in the bubble, which some people want an asterisk, and it's like, Mm. shut up, it is what it is. I mean, that's the way that things went. But. I think there's some people out there that really can't stand Tampa Bay, too, because they are so good, because they do have Kucherov, because Vasilevsky's so good. And then you have Stamkos and Point and Victor Hedman. I mean, they are absolutely stacked from top to bottom. We talk about Vegas and what they're going to do in the off season. I'm really curious to see what Tampa Bay does in the off season. They're $17.3 million over the salary cap. Does Tom Brady have anything to do with uh, people maybe not liking Tampa Bay? (laughs) I I, well uh, for for, for the crossover, you know, the city all the way around, but for just pure hockey fans, I think it's just I I think a lot of hockey fans really enjoyed when Tampa Bay was the huge favorite to win and they got swept by Columbus in the first round. Instead of letting that destroy them,
3: they've gotten even better. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about this and the Golden Knights season coming to an end last night with a three-two loss. In overtime to the Montreal Canadiens, the Canadiens advance to the Stanley Cup Final. Who will they face? The Islanders or Tampa Bay? They will face each other in a Game 7 tonight. So we will talk a little bit more about the future of the Golden Knights, wrap up this season next hour as well, too. So hang tight with us. Dr. Christina Madison is going to join us next hour as well, too. We'll talk to her uh, about some COVID stuff as well, too. And uh, I I really want to talk to her about the fan situation as well, not just here in Vegas, but what we've seen. And, you know, I have talked about and even complained about the not the number of fans they're in the arena at the Bell Center in Montreal as well, too. So only 3,500 again last night. But, but we but have 15,000 outside. 15, outside. Yeah, and, yeah,
2: and they were all completely <laughs> yeah.
3: next to each other. I know. So it I, was sardines in a can. So I want to talk to Christina about that. So, uh, yes, our uh, public health uh, expert, we will talk with her. And also coming up next, we talk NBA playoffs because tonight is another huge game. It's game two between the Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks. We'll dive into that. And we'll talk about what our eyes saw last night with the Clippers doing it again, winning game three. That's what they do. They fall behind these series, 2 nothing, They win game three, and they get the victory against the Phoenix Suns last night, so it looks like we're going to have two competitive series here in the NBA semifinals, actually the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, he's got some thoughts. We'll hit that next. We are live the from Matrix Sunset Return. Station.
1: This is Bill Cartwright of the University of San Francisco, Don's. You're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. He does not know Westerns, but he does know his sports. I will be there to get him right as much as possible.
3: He sounds so joyful, doesn't he? When he was, like, cutting that promo, he's smiling and everything because he wants to, you know... The USF dawns. He's all proud about that. Then he wants to get a digging at me, and then he gets even more smiley.
2: I don't know. What am I going to do with this guy? Well, I know he was big-time smiley when he saw Gnomechuk with the Don's, uh, you know, with the Don's jersey when we were at the Cosmo Palace <laughs> in a while back.
3: So. <laughs> oh. I'm wondering how he's feeling right about now because, you know, we, us basketball guys, us junkies, you know, we're not real happy with the product that we're seeing on the floor right now. And I'm just real curious with the – former five-time NBA champ, is thinking about these playoffs, where we're at right now, the style of basketball. Oh, there goes another three. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Bucks just shot another three. Yeah, see, it doesn't stop.
2: Wait. There's the shimmy before the three. Yes. They're celebrating it going in the bucket before they even let it go. <laughs> Big Bill Cartwright, what's going on, my man?
1: It's a great day yeah, nice day I needed you out here today. uh I just got off the driving range with my buddy, your friend Don Levine. Oh beautiful uh, he's, he's trying to get me right uh, so it's uh it was it was a great day, and I actually hit a few balls kind uh, of straight, so I'm, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about myself.
3: yeah, see Don Levine, a great guy uh now right his son Spencer, right on the tour right on the p g a tour. And uh, he's 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 an iconic golf uh, legend and teacher of the game there in, in Sacramento. So yeah, I'm glad that uh, Donnie can straighten you out a little bit. That's good.
1: I didn't, I didn't say he straightened me out. I said that he's he's making me better. <laughs> I don't know if anybody can can heal me uh, uh, all the way, but uh, he is a he is a great coach. So he's uh, he's he's be he's getting me there. Get me there it's gonna take uh, it's gonna take a while
3: maybe Donnie needs to turn you onto a chiropractor or uh, you know somebody else uh, you know to, to straighten you out that way how's that
1: yeah you know uh, I would love to have a chiropractor um,
3: masseuse How about a full-time masseuse? masseuse you'd like that wouldn't you
1: I, I I would need that masseuse pretty much every day for my for my old body a lot of a lot of collisions but uh, you know, for for a guy that you know ran in a feels like
3: a car every day, I, I, I'm doing all right. You know, Numbchuck actually has a place for you. If you're interested in masseuse, you just got to let him know what what what's, what size you're looking for. Are you looking for petite? You know, a five three, five eight. You know, six six footer. Just let numchuck know. Handle that for you. Just
2: go to legitimate places like you do already, Bill. You know how to run your life properly. Do not listen to numchuck on this one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you know, those places,
3: that's not the masseuse
1: that I'm looking for. Oh. So, as you know.
3: There, there so. are, there, there are non, uh, non-masseuse places or non-legitimate no, masseuse not, places? I'm not, I'm I'm just, I'm I'm believe lying. it or not, not every therapist in Vegas
2: actually has a license. Really? I did not know that. Okay, well, stay correct well, it, here. Is, it is It is
1: interesting that you know that, but... Uh, oh. um. Very interesting,
3: but uh, I I would take a uh, massage every day. Yes. And I, I need one. Yes, the massage, uh, the pedicure. Uh, you got you got to love it there. Yeah, we we, we love putting our, our, our feet in water, don't we? There you go. Okay, my friend, let's talk a little NBA. Last night, the Clippers, they got it done One oh six ninety two over the Suns. Phoenix now leads the series two games to one. And uh, the Clippers snapped a nine-game winning streak for the Phoenix Suns here in this postseason. Paul George, 27 points. Reggie Jackson, no, not that Reggie Jackson, had 23. So he contributed. Uh, Bill, what did you make of uh, this game last night? Well, I'm a little uh, baffled. and And you can ask me this, too, because there's so many
1: guys that have been affected by all these injuries that have happened. And it's really remarkable. And, and it all started with, you know, the Lakers with, with LeBron and Anthony, and those guys played barely half the season and, and really left them home. And then now, uh, you know, Kevin Durant hurt. Uh, um, we'll James, Harden. James Harden hurt. Irving hurt. Uh, you know, Kawhi hurt. All these guys hurt. And most of them played barely half the season. And it's really confusing. And if you can remember, uh, you know, right before we ended up beating the, the Pistons, you remember seeing Isaiah Thomas dragging his leg up and down the floor trying to win the championship. What is what is going on with all these injuries, especially with the fact, now what do you think, do you see all these injuries, with these guys playing half the games?
3: It is, it, I, I guess it's a testament, or lack thereof, of maybe their off-season preparation. I know we talk a lot about that with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, you know, the reason for their injuries, and we hear that those guys are not workout machines, not taking care of their body. On the contrary, though, I'll say this. I am shocked. I am surprised that Paul George stayed healthy, and our good friend Dr. Yu did the surgery on. On him here in, in Las Vegas when he got you know uh, injured with that leg injury that horrible leg injury years and years ago here, and now he is being asked basically to carry this team on his shoulders, utilizing his legs, playing more minutes than he's ever ever played, and this guy hasn't got hurt yet, and I'm just waiting for him to break down like we've seen with Chris Paul as well. Now we know that Chris Paul missed time basically because of COVID here, and that caught everyone by surprise, but every playoff season for at least the last, what, you know, three or four, Chris Paul's been injured. So yeah, you, you bring up a good point, but are you a little bit surprised that, that Georgia stayed healthy? No, I'm surprised that all these teams, all these
1: stars with, with playing 50 games at best that are injured at all. There's, there's, there's gotta be a reason for that. And it's, And somebody's got to be held accountable. Now, what is it? Is it it conditioning, it's training? Is it uh, uh, toughness of the uh, players themselves? Uh, What is it? But something's going on to where you can have your players that you've been prepping for the season. It's not like you loaded them up with minutes, and they're hurt during the playoffs, and it just. Just like everything else right now, it doesn't make any sense that these guys should be hurt at all.
2: You know, Bill, I know, there's an an, al- al- there I, I know there's an old adage in sports that you have to know the difference between pain and injury, do you think some of these guys today that they maybe don't know that? I mean, you're talking about guys, and, and, and I'm not saying Chris Ball isn't injured and that he hasn't been hurt and that kind of stuff, but I think I hearken back to the days with guys in your era and that, like a guy like Allen Iverson who was hitting the ground every time he drove to the bucket. And, I mean, that guy took an absolute pounding, and he was out there every single game doing everything he could to try to win. And you mentioned guys like Isaiah Thomas and, you know, guys back then. It just seemed like it, unless you you had to drag them off the court, no matter how bad they were banged up. And now it seems like guys are willing to sit out with uh, – you know, stuff that they probably would have played through back in the, in the olden days, and maybe that was dumb on their part, but it sure made their reputation of being tough guys a little bit more.
1: Well, it just seems odd to me. Now, now doesn't this make sense? You're, you're, you're playing fewer games. Fewer, like if I have. Shouldn't that mean that you should be ready at the end of the season? Not less. You've played, you played less. A lot less. So shouldn't that equate to you should be all those guys should be healthy? Now now accidents happen where guys, you know, you have a collision, you fall and maybe you hurt an Achilles, a knee. But not not all these guys. This is uh this is contrary to common sense. You've less time off and you should be better rested. And you should be ready to go for the playoffs. This is what you're good for
3: anyway. So, on that note, let let me ask you this. So, Kawhi Leonard, we don't know when he's going to get back on the floor. There was some talk maybe he could be back for for game number four. Now we're hearing that the injury could be a lot more serious. Who knows? But I don't know if you caught this or not. But we're seeing, you know, pictures of him sitting in the luxury box at the Staples Center last night with his kid on his lap. And – I really want to get your take on this because I'm thinking, you know, you need to be on the bench. And I understand COVID, the benches are a little bit different now, but still, you've got to be there as a teammate, don't you? I think 100% he needs to be there as a teammate so he can help these guys. He can notice some guys. But just being disconnected away from the team, this guy isn't, he's not on the shelf for for the rest of the, the season here the rest of this series, and they're talking about this guy coming back. As a teammate, what, what what do you think about your star, your leader, and these bench guys who have been cheering for him all of this time, and now all of a sudden, where's Kawhi? We need him. Oh, he's up there in a the luxury box having some drinks and some popcorn with his family. It's not a good look.
1: Well, I think some guys are that way, not a like, um some guys want to be part of that, and they want They're, they're comfortable doing that. And there's some guys that that are better, better just not. When they're injured, they they may have a feeling that uh, they're letting the team down. There's people for them to watch it, so they're better off watching that. Look, for me. I, I I don't really care about that because you're not playing anyway. So um, if he's there, I think it's it, it's great. It's a great support. Uh, maybe you can give some of those guys some insight to the to the players. Uh, but if that yeah. if he's not that kind of guy, he's not that kind of a vocal guy. Uh, he might as well hang out with his kids. I'm 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 good with that.
3: Okay, but are you? How about in your day? In you're in a playoff series, a meaningful playoff series. It was did was there anybody like that that you had an injury and the guy was either. Uh, on the bench or he was away and what we're, we're, were the thoughts more phil jackson's thoughts on that what would be your thoughts as a head coach here and again it's your star player as well too uh, I, I think that's
1: fine and i think it's for those reasons exactly that some guys are they they want to be down there they they want to be giving advice to their teammates they want to play their role, and there's some guys that just they're just not very good at it.
3: But don't you agree that makes that guy look selfish? I mean, you just said it yourself. Hey, guys that want to be there, and the guys appreciate that, especially a guy like this. I mean, you're trailing the series. You may be able to to point something out and, and, and help out. I'm just saying, you know, that's, you know, I know you're okay with that. I get that part. It's like, okay, it, it doesn't matter. But if you're in the middle of it. And, you know, I don't know how Ty Lue feels about it or any of those Clipper players feel about it. But to me, and I, and I know a lot of people are talking about this today, too, it just makes the guy look selfish. It's not a good look. And I think you would agree with that. It's not a good look.
1: Well, look, I don't care what it looks like. This is my thing, is that if I know you, if I know you, TC, if I, if I know the guys, right. if I know who they are and I know they care, Uh it's like, that's just like being a teammate. You know, I, I know him. I know he cares, but he, this that's not his role. So that's why it's okay for the man. You know, well, maybe hourly it looks bad. Uh, that's fine because, because if, you know, he's my teammate. He's injured. He doesn't want to be. Uh, it, it's painful for him to watch. Uh, he's at the game, but he's not, uh, he's not on the court. Eh, I'm good with it. That's, that's my teammate. That's part, that's part of my family. So that's why I'm I'm kind of okay with
3: it because I I, I understand. We, we saw the same uh, thing with Kyrie about- Irving as well too with Boston. We we saw that and I think he got some some um, some some negative feedback as well too. And you know remember too, Kawhi Leonard's going to be a free agent at the end. Maybe he's you know thinking, hey, I'm not getting back anyway, so. You know, maybe I'm not that connected to, to this team.
2: Well, and it's not like Kawhi Leonard hasn't played on various teams throughout his career. But it does look that I think you're saying that he feels like, at least to some of the public. And again, Bill said, you know, he doesn't care, and maybe some of his teammates don't care. But to the general public and to the media, which I know a lot of players really don't give a damn what the media <laughs> thinks about stuff. But, but it, it kind of, it almost gives that look of like you're playing for the name on the back of the jersey and not the name on the front. Uh-huh. You know, you know.
1: Well, you you can see that, but like I said, if I'm close to that guy and I know him, uh, it's okay because I I already know how he feels and he knows how I feel, so we're, we're good. So uh, and look, uh, Kawhi's already left a championship game. so why are we even worried about free agency? We know he'll leave in a heartbeat if his best.
3: Exactly, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, uh, joining us. All right, my friend. Uh, tonight we've got the Bucks. Uh, do you fear the deer there? And what do you think about this team? Again, they lost their first playoff game at home in Game One to Trey Young and Company, forty-eight points. Uh, the the Bucks blew a seven-point lead with right about the four-minute mark in this contest. So now, what is going to happen here? And I don't know about you, but this is getting to be a hard team to watch. And we've seen the collapses from this team the last few years. And we're seeing Giannis struggle again from the perimeter, struggling at the free throw line. It kind of seems like the same old, same old. And I thought, okay, maybe this year this is going to be the year that this team really puts it together. But what are they doing, Bill? They're shooting 30% from three again. And they're putting up 45, 48, 53 is a game. I don't know. It's getting hard to watch. What are your thoughts? You, that
1: game was a, a game of runs, and the team who was the most aggressive won out. And down the stretch, you saw Milwaukee, they melted. So they've they just got to be tougher. They've got to be better. They've got to be tougher mentally. You've got to be able to step up and make some free throws. Um, and also, you've got to be able to, to change, uh, and I'm laughing, your screen roll coverage, which is preposterous right now. Maybe maybe move up, play them at the level, don't, don't let them get in the lane, let somebody else beat you, Besides your best score. I mean, just all that common sense stuff that we talked about all year has to happen. But, you know, Milwaukee has to win this game tonight or, or this series is over, so... Uh, they've, they've got to come with everything they have. And get the ball in the basket. And and look, <laughs> you should um, um, go to the league and or just go to any team and say, hey, look, I want to do one thing for you. I want to be a blockout coach. <laughs> because clearly, you guys don't know how to block out. It could be one on three and that, that one guy is going to get the rebound because you guys can't get, can't block out. And that's the whole freaking league. So there, there, there you go. There's your job right there. You block out that. The are
3: you kidding me? I love that. I'll, I'll do my shell drill. We'll do the three-on-three rebounding drill. Box out, screen out all day long, my friend. I'm down for that. Let's go. And that's going to be a pain position for me? That was routine in my practices every day, man. As you well know, you, you've got to do the blockout. You're right. I'm tired of standing around. I'm tired of the offensive boards. If I see Clint Capella get another 8-10 offensive boards, I'm going to go sick tonight. Come on, let's go, box. Let's get it together. I mean, from Milwaukee to Green Bay to to my ladies in Superior, there. I mean, let's go, bring it home. Let's go, fear the deer. Fear the deer. Better you
1: better bring something
2: now because this is it. Well, it, it, I know they want to fear the deer, but it may may or may not be the year of the deer. We'll find that out soon enough. But it hasn't it, been either. But it's about time. And Bill, Bill, you mentioned something about free throws on that too, and I just uh, saw today that. Atlanta is complaining about Milwaukee taking more than 10 seconds on the free-throw line. Is, is this a legitimate concern, or is it another thing that they're trying to put in Milwaukee's head and, uh, and get a little bit of gamesmanship with the officials there to make them think about something even more when they are at the line? They're already struggling, and now they might have something else to worry about if they get a violation or so.
1: Yeah, that's nothing to worry about. Look, um, whether he... Shoots it at ten or later, he's still missing them. So what? What is he? What is uh, Atlanta bitching about? <laughs> hey, the results are that they're not shooting free throws very well. Just go. Just be the aggressor. Be the aggressor. It's always funny that you know you see guys shoot free throws. To me, there are good and bad free throw misses. A bad free a good free throw miss is is long. You shoot it long. You shoot it strong. About not shooting a free throw, and it doesn't get to the rim. It's short. It's a bad free throw. It's got no chance. It's like a putt. It's just short. you got no chance of getting there. So, um, I don't know. I, I I can't call it. Look, this is the biggest game. These are the biggest games of the year. This is why you've been playing. Uh, it's playoff time. You can do something special out here. Uh, you can try to win a championship. Uh, it's it's not a time to be thinking it's a time to get stuff done so um just play play your best game play your most most aggressive game um you your 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 best players have gotta play uh everybody knows like what I with the movies with DC, your stars have got to be stars. If it's not, it's a bad movie. That's why uh, <laughs> That's why we love Black Panther.
3: That's, so. that's why you love Black Panther, exactly. Ch- Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, though. I, I, I'll say it. And again, at least the popcorn was good, and Sherry provided the popcorn that night. But the movie, man, forget about that. And again, I tell you, we'll you, you you got to be able to select better seats. You can't sit in these front rows, especially a guy like you, seven foot. I'm a guy six 6'2". I don't want to rear my neck back, so I'm looking at that screen, especially the, the money you're paying to go to the movies sit in the back sit in the luxury box let's be like Kawhi leonard up there come on I, I man
0: yeah i don't
1: understand how that got to be my responsibility when we were in vegas and i mean i live in zach or i live in san francisco it seems to me that was your responsibility all
3: right well listen you yeah. picked out the movie all right you and the missus picked out the movie that was that hey. was that was your thing i said hey I'll, I'll go along for the popcorn no doubt about it
1: Jeez. Hey, can I help can I, can I, can I, it was a great movie? Hey, I, at, least, to
3: at, at least you had some good Al Bondi Goss soup before that movie, okay? At uh, least I took care of the food, okay? I always take care of the food. You know that. You can't even help with a, picking the right seats at a movie theater. Well, I, I do know if you're going to go in the
2: luxury box that your daughter's a little old to be bouncing on your knee up there. So, <laughs> it's just true. <laughs>
3: uh, all right, man, who wins tonight, Bucks or, or Hawks? Is Trey Young going to get contained by uh, Drew Holiday real quick? Give me the winner tonight.
1: I, I will be. Uh, I'm going to take Milwaukee. I'm going to be very surprised if they don't win. Uh, this is it. This is it. You, you better win this game, or uh, or you're pretty much done. So, uh, yeah, I got Milwaukee.
3: And you, uh, you still going with your Phoenix Suns over, over the Clippers, or the Clippers mm-hmm. that just has they found new life here?
1: You no, know, and and you know the reason why I like Phoenix because they they've done it the right way all year. They've stayed together. Uh, they've stayed healthy for the most part. They've done, I, you know, you know that I like things that are done the right way. So uh, you, you got to kind of root for them. Just like I, I kind of want to root for Milwaukee. I kind of think they've done things the right way all year. Right? I agree. So, right. so those two teams about pulling for them. Uh, let's hope, uh, let's hope they pull through. Now, who do you got?
3: I'm with the Bucs, and I'm with you with Phoenix as well. Again, I did like the Clippers last night. I figured they would win last night just because they've been dominant in these Game 3 situations. And, you know, Booker with the face mask. But I think, you know, okay, Phoenix is going to win that series. There's no doubt in my mind about that, especially without Kawhi Leonard. But, yeah, the the, the Bucks are... I I think the Bucks get it done tonight if they don't forget about it. But they just they're frustrating me the way they're playing again. And I know that you and I talk about this a lot—the style of basketball and everything. They just don't play with enough urgency, and that is what has hurt them in the past. And if I see that again tonight, uh, it, it's going to make me sick. But I, I fully expect one of these 122 to 98 games by the Bucks because we've seen that. If they're hitting their threes they could blow them out. So I kind of expect that tonight. Overall in the series, let's give Atlanta a little bit of credit here. I don't know how they're getting it done with just Trey Young, but uh, you know, yeah, I, I would like to see the Bucs. So I'm with you on that. Alright. Plus we know the Milwaukee and Phoenix both got some pretty good restaurants as well too. We know that, right? That's the most important thing. Food is the most important thing here.
1: Yeah, it, it, does, it does appear that way. Yes, it does. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right my man, we appreciate you checking in uh, with us today. Uh we'll talk to you over the weekend. Have a good one and uh we'll continue watching this NBA stuff. All right, so so keep your eyes open. Try not to uh, throw too much stuff at the television.
1: Let's hope not. Who knows? Somebody may get a post up tonight. I'm
3: excited. <laughs> yeah block out that'd be nice all right brother take care he is the five-time nba champion the chicago bulls big bill cartwright three as a player two as a coach you gotta love that so when it comes to the food are you a big fan of venison uh, not really i've tried it but just again you know coming from here then going back there i learned to like it a little bit but it, it wasn't part of my my dna so to speak you know do but, they serve it at frogs uh on occasion i believe Okay. Froggies, when is season? Yeah. During deer hunting season. All right, we're coming back next hour to talk a little bit more NBA, Vegas Golden Knights, Major League Baseball, and more. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank with you live from Sunset Station here at the STN Mobile App Studios on a fabulous Friday. How <laughs> that pass to Here come the Aces on the run. De-Energizer. Looks for Ty Young. Sprints to the hoop. Off the glass. And good. 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 Good.
1: Good. My. The entertainment capital of
3: the world. Oh,
1: uh, mercy! It's the T.C. Martin show. show. Show, show, And here
3: we go. Get ready for the fourth quarter of game number four. It's time to get
1: your daily prescription from the doctor. Hey,
0: he's going to let one fly! three! three! The energizer with a three from half court.
3: Are you kidding me?
0: TC margin.
3: There were six seconds to go, and De-Energizer hit a wild,
1: crazy, improbable three to give the Aces the lead. The doctor is now in, in, in.
3: Glad to have you with us on this fabulous Friday, our number deuce right here, Sunset Station on a Friday afternoon, STN Mobile Sports Studios, get the mobile app, get ready for some action tonight, early game start at 4 o'clock, we've got NHL, Stanley Cup semifinals tonight, a game 7 between the Islanders and the Lightning, game number 7. It's around, uh, what, 5 o'clock, right? And also, the Las Vegas Aces in action tonight against the Minnesota Lynx. The Aces are on the road. Aces is a 7-point favorite on the road, so we've got to watch them tonight. And don't forget, the Aces back in action at the house. Coming up Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock, nationally televised game on ABC. And it is the rematch of the WNBA Finals last year. The Aces taking on the Seattle Storm we look forward to that. So, if you're watching the game in person, come on out to the Mandalay Bay Michelob Ultra Arena. Again, still those protocols of season ticket holders. Not sure if the you know when they're going to open up, but to the general public. But you can always listen to the game Maybe, on I'll, the radio as well, too. I know? mean,
2: this is the last Friday of June, so July. Yeah, I mean, you know how you kind of lose track of time a little bit. You realize that next weekend is
3: Fourth of July weekend. I know that quick, right? I know that's it's kind true. Of crazy, it is. We get like a four-day holiday weekend or anything like that. Three-day, four-day, make it like that? that way. Yeah, whatever it is. What day? What day is the fourth? The fourth is actually Sunday. It's a Sunday. Well, then yeah. we we're messed over, man. We don't we don't yeah. get that extra day. Well, then. I mean, I'll I'll have off. I will not be here next Friday. This is true. I'm getting a little uh, medical procedure. A little done, procedure. So, yeah. All right. So th- I'm gonna chop my head off. So our our thoughts leave are leave my pain. Thoughts are with you. The guillotine has always been good to you. So uh, it hasn't sure been good enough you'll, yet. You'll bounce back. I just hope the blade is sharp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Aces in Seattle Storm on Sunday. Aces in action tonight on the road. So, uh, we look forward to that.
2: Now, are you also looking forward to, at the Michelob Ultra Arena, checking out the new lacrosse team that will be playing there as well?
3: That is true.
2: That is coming Wayne up. Wayne
3: Gretzky, yeah. Yeah.
2: Steve Nash, and I believe it's Dustin Johnson
3: amongst the owners of that Can team. you believe that? Yeah. So, we talk about all these sports coming to Vegas, and now we've got lacrosse. I know. And uh, lacrosse gaining popularity on the West Coast here as well, too. So it's,
2: it's, I guess it's been popular at East for a while, yeah, so yeah. It, it still kind of cracks me up when I hear everybody say, well, Jim Brown was the greatest lacrosse player of all time. What are you basing this on? How many people that say that ever saw <laughs> Jim Brown play and even watch lacrosse today? Hey, uh, well, just because he was in his era doesn't mean that he, I mean, and he might have been. I don't have a reference point.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
2: I have not watched enough lacrosse to know that Jim Brown was with unquestionably
3: the greatest lacrosse player of all time. How, how sad is this that we're in this day and age now probably with the age of people that m- many people, probably majority of the football fans, didn't see Jim Brown play? Yeah. You know? Because Forget was, about the Dirty Dozen. They yeah, just don't know him at all. Right. long, <laughs> long time ago. Got a chance to talk with uh, Chelsea Gray today, and she's going to be my pregame guest uh, on on Sunday uh, for the Aces game, and uh, we talked a lot about the Olympics. And shout out to Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, all making the US Olympic team. Now Kelsey Plum is part of the inaugural three on three Olympic team. The men did not qualify. Remember we had Kelsey on last week, and we talked about uh, you know, her qualifying about the game. I'm really looking forward to that. And I've always been a big three on three type of guy. You know, even, you know, we've seen the big three, you know, here in Vegas with Ice Cube and everything. And that's kind of taken, uh, you know, some legs of its own here. But for the Olympics, it, this is going to be like racehorse basketball. Because like she said, you're going to catch it out of the net. You, you've got like, what, 10 seconds to shoot the ball. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that's going to play. And when we get these like traditional American sports and you see other countries trying to play. Now we understand basketball has become universal. But three-on-three, maybe not for the most part. I don't know how many three-on-three pickup games that you see over in... Indonesia or Austria or Germany or Italy. You know
2: what I'm saying? Well, and the strange part, it might be, in some countries, it might be more popular. Yeah? You know, I mean, we, we don't know that for sure either. So, you know, I mean, I, I know there's some high schools, and I'm not saying they're three-on-three, three, but I know some places in Iowa and places like that that have different, they don't necessarily always play the five-on-five. Five, so... Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely you know it's going to be interesting, and and I, wasn't there an ace player that also is playing for another country?
3: Well, I was going to get to that yeah. too. Yeah, so, so. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, but but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah Kelsey Plum, and we've had our on on that, and yeah, it's it, it's going to be exciting, and it and it will be exciting too when you get to talk to him about because some people are a little bit hesitant about going over to Tokyo, mm-hmm. but it's I mean, it, my God, to to represent the the red, white, and blue in mm-hmm. an Olympics, I mean. That you can't even put that on a bucket list. That's just you're either good enough
3: and you can make a team or you're not. So talking to Chelsea today, we talked a lot about the Olympics. And it is so refreshing to hear an athlete, and there are many athletes, I feel this way too, that are so proud, like you said, to represent the the United States of America and wear that red, white, and blue. And she brought up a point to me today, and she said, you know, I'm the first person, you know, female basketball player from Duke to represent you know, Team USA, and and that and that's pretty cool. So, you know, you are thinking about your college, you are thinking about you know your pro team that you represent and everything here with Las Vegas Aces, but it, it means a lot to a lot of these um, athletes to to represent their country. And as we know, we've seen it on the men's side with basketball, and we've seen it in other sports as well too, where some people say, "Ah, eh, thanks, but no thanks," and I never really understood that why you would decline that invitation. And we always use the term, we hear the term rest. Well, yeah, I'm I'm an NBA player. I'd rather go to Hawaii, rather chill out, be on vacation. But you you get that opportunity. And when you look back at life, because I've talked to some people who have declined invitations. And then later in life, they come back and say, you know, I probably should have said yes to that. And experienced that. And stand on the podium. And just bonding, you know, with the teammates. And what we talked about today, too, was... That you know she's on a very good team here with the Aces. So Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson representing Team USA. Two Las Vegas Aces are, are going to be on Team USA to compete here in four weeks in the Tokyo Games, and just playing with Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi, and you know uh, Brianna Stewart, people like that. It's like, wow. I mean, you know, when we have our practices. It's like, I'm, 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 I'm. Are you kidding me? You know. And so then when you have all of that togetherness and that bonding you're wearing the red white and blue I mean you do get motivated just to pound everybody else
2: Well, yeah, absolutely, and, and they're also going to go in there with big expectations. I mean, they've, I'm assuming that they're the favorite to win oh, yes. with all the talent they have in this country and as big as it is, and it's interesting, too, because when you talk about the three-on-three, three, it kind of reminds me of how volleyball kind of exploded. You know, when volleyball used to be the Olympic sport, and it was just the team stuff, and then the beach volleyball came in different things, so, you know, and that's kind of what they're doing with basketball, and I—I I, it, it would be interesting, and I, I know you said you talked to her, you know, it's like, what made Kelsey say, I'm going to try the three-on-three, three, not the five-on-five, five, or is it a different thing? Does she specialize in it? Was it maybe, you know, she figured, felt that maybe there wasn't a place on one team and there was a better opportunity on the other one or whatever? So, you know, and, and that's going to be interesting, too, because, you know, how do you pick, you know, some people, the three-on-three three might be perfect for somebody's game, but it wouldn't be as good for somebody else, whereas five-on-five, five, well, that's what they play their whole life.
3: Right, again, you know, Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray, they are they are on the – the the regular team I guess we'll call it you know the five on five you know the, the traditional team, team the traditional team yeah and Kelsey Plum is is part of the three on three so the answer to your question is so all of these players got invited and I believe there was like twenty one players that got invited to the training camps and then they played these exhibition games and Kelsey Plum got a chance to play uh, at that point in time it was a decision by USA Basketball and Don Stately and saying you know Kelsey, we don't know if we're going to have a spot for you of the twelve rostered players to to be on the uh, you know our our five on five team. However, we really think you would excel on three on three. So they at that point in time, had basically five or six that they said, you play with us, but you also concentrate on the three-on-three. So that's why she was basically in two qualifying tournaments. And then they whittled it down to, to, to four players. And then, yeah, she made the three-on-three team. But that was a decision basically by USA Basketball to say, hey, we think you're better suited for uh, for that. And if you're Kelsey Plum, like she said, it's like, hey, I, I'm just thrilled that I'm going to be able to – Represent Team USA, and I can, you know, walk in the opening ceremonies and the closing ceremonies. And again, I'm on, I'm part of USA basketball. I'm just going to win a gold in the three on three uh, in comparison to the five on five.
2: And the three on three, I'm assuming that's a half court game.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind yeah. of
2: like when you play with your kids and that sort 100%, of stuff. Hundred yeah, percent. You know, yeah, yeah. But again, being a new Olympic sport, I, I hadn't right. read up on all the rules on that. But yeah. and and you know they say sometimes assuming can be dangerous or whatever. <laughs> but um, but but it definitely seemed like, and especially when you said a 10-second clock. So yeah,
3: yeah. It. I think she explained it that day we had her on. It's just like yeah, it's, it's going to be a little bit different, but it, it's fast paced. You got to be in shape, so that's good. Uh, Two other aces made their respective Olympic teams, Liz Cambage with Australia and Jisoo Park for South Korea.
2: Now, is Liz going?
3: Yeah, Liz is going.
2: Okay, because there was talk that she might not go down there because she had some disputes Mm -hmm. and problems with the Australian Olympic
3: Committee and the way that they were promoting things and doing different stuff. So, remember, I think we played back that interview last Friday, and we we talked about that. And, you know, for her, she is the, the prototypical person that just loves playing in the Olympic games and Asia referenced Liz when we talked to Asia and Chelsea Gray both said hey you know Liz has been through this routine so for Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray this is their first Olympia I mean this is going to be with the third of the fourth for Liz Cambage because to her that is the most important thing to her and with with a lot of these players from foreign countries and I think Jisoo Park could probably say the same thing now their chances of winning a gold medal are probably not that great because you're competing against Team USA but they actually take that a little bit more seriously than they do their professional teams whether it's overseas or here in the WNBA and you know Aces fans might not like to hear that but that's just the way that they're brought up in that country that you know Liz Cambage is the face of women's basketball in Australia and just like Andrew Bogut was the face for men's basketball in Australia. Yeah, just like Yao Ming yeah,
2: was in China. There you
3: go. Exactly. Right, right. And then they, you know, that success led to them getting the opportunity to play here in the United States in the NBA. And that's the same thing with Jisoo Park. Well, I, no one knew Jisoo Park. And Bill Ambier drafted her when she was 19 years old, but he saw her play internationally. She's the best player that South Korea has. And when she goes over there and plays in their professional leagues in the off season here, she's averaging like 25 a game. And she just turned 22. And she's still, you know, getting very few minutes here with the aces and she's still a work in progress but just goes to show you how tough it is to make a roster in the wnba and and you know how competitive it is
2: and then the, the aces did that this year with the draft too right i mean they, they drafted yes. a player that's for the future that's for, for next not year. even going to be over here right now but right. but they're looking at it and and it also shows the luxury and the and depth that player will be in the a, olympics as well too yeah, yeah, of having a good enough team that right now you can go well yeah the draft is nice but we don't need it to help the team we have right now because we're already one of the front runners to win the whole thing. Let's look ahead at the big picture. and We're not only
3: good today, we want to be good for a long time. Right. We will visit with uh, Dr. Christina Madison here at the bottom of the hour, so hang tight for that. Our public health pharmacist, uh, she's fantastic. Our public health expert, uh, we will talk to her about the Olympic Games and the traveling. And, uh gonna talk to her too all about what we saw last night in in Montreal uh, let's let's take it back there for a second as well too we 3,500 fans were in attendance at the Bell Center last night we saw 15 to 20,000 I don't know what the exact number was that's crazy so we'll say that for for Christina but going back to last night's loss for the Golden Knights where Montreal defeated uh, VGK three to two the third overtime game in this series actually third of the last four games in uh, in this series, But the Vegas Golden Knights season comes to an end, and if listeners have a take on this, I would love to to talk with you about this too. What are your What are your feelings? I want to know from our audience out here in Las Vegas. What are your thoughts about the Vegas Golden Knights moving forward? Are you happy where they ended up this year? Are you saying, okay, this is still a successful season because we lost in six games in the semifinals? Or do you feel like, no, this was a disappointing season, and what does next year bring? All right, And, uh, and what, if any, changes need to be made in right. the offseason? Absolutely. 702-221-7283. 702-221-7283. I love hearing from first-time callers as well, too. But Golden Knights fan, whether you're a fan, you're a season ticket holder... Jump on board the phones with us here for the remainder of this segment. I'm curious on what your take is about last night's game, about the season in general, moving forward to next year. Are you disappointed? Are you upset? Are you, are you mad at the way this season ended? Talk a little bit about the goalie controversy that was that people, you know, were talking about. But Pierre DeBoer one to ignore. Give us your thoughts about the Golden Knights' season this year: success or non-success? Seven o two. Two two one seventy two eighty three. Frank, what do you think?
2: Well, I mean, I, I think they definitely need to shore some stuff up, whether it's from a coaching standpoint or figure out a way to make adjustments to get the power play more or or, or better. Uh, I don't know how much player personnel change we're going to see. They are up against the salary cap, so you have to take that into account. I mean, you can want to make a change, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily can make it work dollars and cents-wise. And that's where, you know, I mean, we, we saw it this year in the Colorado game that essentially decided the President's Trophy. Vegas could only play 15 guys because they were up against the salary cap and had to sit people. So I'm curious to see what happens there. We hear some a lot of names out there already being thrown around. A lot of talk about making a move with Buffalo and trying to bring Jack Eichel over here. I don't know that that's the answer. And I don't know that they can do it dollars and cents-wise and what they'd have to give up. I know I've seen names like Shea Theodore, amongst others, to get somebody like that over. Some Golden Knights fans wouldn't like something like that. Uh, Matthew Kachuk is another guy now. He's a guy who wouldn't cost as much as Eichel. He's got grit. He's got physicality. He's not afraid to be in front of the net. Somebody like that, maybe not as big a name, but maybe a better fit, like when Chandler Stephenson came over. Wasn't a big name all around hockey, but he fit in with the team well. So I don't know exactly what they're going to do. I know the people that think Pete DeBoer should be fired or something like that. I don't believe they know what they're talking about because I'm not going to pin all this on Pete DeBoer. Should they have made some better adjustments or something? Yeah, they probably should have. But who's replacing Pete DeBoer that's better than him that's available right now? So, And that's the other thing. You not only have to figure out what moves you can make and how it works dollars and cents wise and if you can fit him in and what you have to give up for it, but if you're going to fire somebody... Who are you replacing them with? You know, addition by subtraction isn't necessarily the case unless the addition is an improvement. I can't think of a coach available right off the top of my head right now that's better than Pete DeBoer. They made their bed with that a while ago. So I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but uh, I think it's going to be an interesting offseason. I don't know that they can make a splash like they did last year with Petrangelo. They brought in the best defenseman in the world that was available.
3: I don't think that's going to be on George McPhee or Bill Foley's uh, radar at all about uh, getting rid of uh, Peter DeBoer at this point in time. Fans always want to try to improve the team. The team wants to try to improve the team. We get that. But, you know, that was a pretty deep dive you, talk, you talked about because you're diving into some players. And, and, again, for the casual hockey fans out there listening, they probably don't know a lot of these people. Here's the bottom line in, in my take of it and just in just summarizing the season or or in general what's up for next year. Remember where we were at before the playoffs started, okay? The Golden Knights, even during the regular season, the Golden Knights were talking about the team to beat this year, and they proved that with all those regular season wins. Granted, we can talk about the the lack of competition, especially in the West, facing all those you know, crumb-bum teams yeah. like the Anaheim yeah. Ducks and the Kings. The bottom and, of the division but, no, but was the, very Arizona bad. Arizona C- Coyotes, all that stuff, exactly. Exactly. But the bottom line was, we weren't talking about replacing anybody at that point in time. The Golden Knights are good enough to win a cup. They are good enough to go deep in the playoffs. They went deep this year. Okay, But this is the nature of sports. You're going to run into a hot goalie. You're going to run into a team that just starts clicking, that starts believing in themselves, and winning breeds confidence. And the Montreal Canadiens, in retrospect, were probably not a great matchup for the Golden Knights. We talked about this before, too. Kind of like the Minnesota Wild. That series could have went either way. Vegas seems to be better suited against the the teams that like to get up and down the ice. They don't want to play bull, you know bully hockey. Yeah, this team was kind
2: of built to beat a team like Colorado. Right. But then when they face right. the other teams, they right. struggle. Well, that's because they weren't necessarily mm-hmm. built to play that style of hockey. Right.
3: So I think... You don't need a major overhaul. You made some some key acquisitions last off season, and you know before the trading deadline here too as well. That's you're fine. I, this team is fine. Now, are, are they going to continue to have these scoring droughts? No, probably not. But then again, although you know, they did yeah, last year too yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, I know. Playoffs. But let's let's give some credit. And, and this is a an old you know, saying that you hear all the time, well, there's all the guys on the other side, they get paid too. And again, you gotta give the opponent credit. And you had to do that last year and you had to do it this year with, with Montreal. N- no question about that. But the Golden Knights, I believe, they are still built as a for a, a deep run next year and they could win a cup. Heck. A week ago. We were talking about this team still being the favorite. They were the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. And I know people were playing the parade, but that's the way sports go. So I don't think you need a major overhaul. Just because you lose in the semifinals in six games to a team that had just basically outplayed you, it wasn't out talent. It was just they outplayed you. And the breaks went their ways. And as you know, as well as anybody, hockey is one of those things. Literally, game of inches, game of breaks, you know. But here's the thing. The actual number, and you talked about it last hour, 0 for 17 on the power play. Okay? I really don't think that's personnel stuff. That's just stuff you're not executing and you're not maximizing those opportunities. You cannot go 0 for 17, and that's why they lost this series. 0 for 17 on the power play. And of your 13 goals, 8 of them were schooled, scored by defensemen. Okay? That needs to, to, to be shored up. All right? So this is a solid hockey team, but, you know... There, there are things you, you have to improve.
2: I just don't think it's personnel. Well, no, and like you said, I mean, I don't think they need massive overhauls, but they need to tweak stuff. And when it comes to the power play, it's on the players, but it's also on the coaches. You've got to change something. And body language and confidence means so much. You know, there's the mental aspect of sports. You let a team that's supposed to be inferior get a little bit of confidence, and all of a sudden they start thinking, hey, why can't we win this? And Montreal came in here. And let's be honest about this, and if you want to go in the time machine and go back to the start of this series, they were the biggest dog from a betting from a betting standpoint ever in the semifinal at this point. Coming off seven straight playoff wins. Right. They beat Toronto three times. They swept Winnipeg. Got no respect for it. Were the underdog in every game in this series. They played with – we talk about the Golden Misfits year one. This team had a chip on their shoulder. They were like – No one's giving us a shot. How how the hell is that possible? We've won seven games in a row. And they came out with a vengeance. And they looked back and they went, okay, Marc-Andre Fleur is a good goalie. We've got who the players think is the best goalie in the game. And no one's giving us a chance. I think they came out hungry. I think they came out fired up and ready to play. They did make adjustments. And whatever adjustments Pete DeBoer made, and I'm not going to say he made none because mm-hmm. he was changing up lines and trying stuff, mm-hmm. but whatever adjustments Vegas tried to make, Montreal had the answer for it. Vegas didn't have the answer to make amends and make it better. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember, like you said, three of these games went to overtime. It's not like a Montreal boat raced them right. like they did Winnipeg. Right. Three overtime games, that's a coin flip. Unfortunately, I don't know. If, I don't know if Vegas had heads
3: or tails, but it came up the wrong way the majority of the time. And again, you know the little things about scoring the first goal. The numbers bear it out. I mean Montreal they they, they score first. Uh, they they're ten and two during these playoffs. They score two goals. They're undefeated. They're ten and zero. And going back to that first series where Montreal thought okay, you know, everyone thought Montreal season was done against the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto led that series three games to one. Since that game, you talk about them reeling off seven straight victories, they won 11 of their last 13 games, playoff games. 11 they, of the last 13 11 games. of 13.
2: Crazy. And, and when we talk about the power play and how good the penalty kill for Montreal was, it wasn't just against Vegas. Like you said, since, that, since they were down in that series to Toronto, their penalty kill completely shut out Winnipeg, and it's not all just because Shifley wasn't there. If Shifley's that good, then he should be the highest-paid player in hockey. They shut out Toronto, who's got an excellent, excellent offensive team. They came to play. And I, I know we've said it before. I know we said it when we started the show today. They were kind of playing with house money. Their young players probably shouldn't be this good yet. But the, And the other thing, they're having fun out there. Yeah. Suzuki, Caulf- what did Caulfield do yesterday when he got the goal against Leonard? He was, you know, shh, quiet because him and Leonard were in a little bit of a Twitter thing. Leonard saying, "Oh well, this is the way to beat this kid. He only knows how to do this on a breakaway, and then he scores on a breakaway." And he's like, shh, "Let's. I'm not going to give momentum back to that. I'm not going to fuel the fire, although he kind of fueled the fire just sure, by yeah. doing that." Yeah. But again, they were having fun, whereas Vegas was holding their sticks, going. We're the big favorite. We can't possibly lose this. Max Pacioretty hits a poster, shoots it right in to Carey Price. Mark Stone has a wide open net and shoots it wide. Alex Tuck is flying all over the ice but can't put it on goal, and when he finally does, it's right in the middle of the chest of of Carey Price. You know, uh, we finally saw Riley Smith get a goal last night, but it's the only thing the second line did. They were trying to be perfect, whereas Montreal was trying to go out and just go, all right, they might outshoot us in games, but let's take the opportunities that we have, and um, we'll see what we can do with them. And more often than not, it worked out pretty well
3: for them. Yeah, me. I don't, I don't think that the Golden Knights basically lost this series. I'm ready to give all the credit in the world to Montreal. Montreal, played them. And remember, too, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it was with a bench coach, right? Their coach yes. got
2: because yes. we were like, how big of an effect is it going to be that the coach has COVID? Yeah, Luke Richardson oh. comes in and goes. Hey hey, no problem, the guys know what to do, and we're going to keep the same game plan because it's working. They had
3: to overcome so much. Their coach got fired on February the 24th. And then, again, they go through the COVID situation. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. And like you said yesterday, unknown fact here, the, the, the travel that Montreal had to deal yep. with. Not just Montreal to Vegas, but just you, going you know from one end of uh, the country in Canada to yeah, the other. They, they unlike travel unlike what uh, anyone yeah. in the United yeah, States only did. Only in Canada right. did they travel over right. time zones. Let's go to the phones, talk to Armando. Armando, what's happening? What's happening, brother?
0: What in the world is up with you guys? I don't want to hear about the Canadians. I'm like, really? I've, I've heard enough of them already. First of all, you guys started in on me telling me how bad they were when we, when we opened the... <laughs> The, you know, the playoff series. You said, oh, they're going to walk right through. Them, and but,
2: by the way, that was here. us and everybody in the hockey world. <laughs> well, yo, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm, re- I'm talking to the the media in general here, especially locally. I mean, all of you guys had me convinced, and now all of a sudden you want to talk to me about Carey Price, about that youngster that just out outskated everybody in the Golden Knights. I mean, what's his name? I'm sorry, Frank. Cole, <laughs> you Caulfield. Know I'm about.
2: Caulfield, yeah. a kid from Wisconsin of all places. Yeah, so he's, abso- he's probably I an mean,
3: coffee was great bucky badger there it is hey but things change armando as you know and again you know we got to talk about what our eyes see and your eyes saw the same thing that we saw as well too that they got beat by a better team over the course of time yeah going going into it there's no doubt i i laid i laid my money on on the golden knights and not on the series but in, in game one i did it and and also uh you know, in games three and four as well too. I thought, okay, they're going to get this thing done. At least you didn't lose hundred grand to make forty. I did not. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did too. But no, I mean, this is, I mean, oh my god! And then you're talking about what's what's happening. I mean, as a, you know, uh, I'm I'm. This is the first time I'm going to say this out loud. Is that I'm hoping for changes now because I'm I've been, I was in love with those misfits the first year, but now it's time to change it up. A, you know, I don't want to mean a complete overhaul.
2: So but, what do you change? You
0: know, well, we're not scoring. I'm sorry, excuse me for the weed, but, uh, you know, they're not scoring at all. You know, so we need to get some scoring. I mean, uh, okay, the captain didn't didn't get a single goal. Patch already got one. And then when your defensemen are the ones that are doing the scoring, eh, there's something a little wrong there. You know, whether it's coaching, whether it's po- whatever it is that, that that team in Canada did to them, whatever, however that works, I mean, I mean, and then you're – what did I hear you say about getting, you know, Shea Theodore for Jack Eichel or, you know – he's just – I mean,
2: Shea Theodore is not going straight for straight. It would be Shea Theodore and about three other players to get a Jack
0: Eichel. Yeah, no. What I'm saying is
2: that how are you
0: going to get rid of a defenseman to, you know, I mean, when – that's that got showed up last year, supposedly. Uh, although that you know Petrangelo didn't show up until the playoffs, but you
3: know he hey, showed up. But you got to look at it too, like this, Armando. I mean, just we weren't saying this, you know, weeks and weeks ago. I mean, they had enough uh, goal scoring opportunities uh, to to make it happen. They lost. In these very close, you know, low scoring games and they had enough, uh, they scored enough goals to beat Colorado into Minnesota and definitely during the course of the regular season. And I don't remember anybody really talking about, hey, let's let's, let's get more offense here during the course of the regular season. But again, the teams are going to be better. You're going to have better defense, you know, in the postseason. We saw that last year as well, too. And again, you know, I think the Golden Knights have done a very good job of constructing this team to maximize what they can get out. Patch already brought some star players in, got it – uh, everyone underneath the cap and everything. And then when you start messing with this thing again, I don't know. Then there's this chemistry thing as well, too. I would like to see the well, Golden lights pretty happy. much go go stand pat for the most part. Now, if you can get a guy like Eichel or something like that, that that's different. But you're going to have to give up as well, too. So, to no, yeah, I just I just don't think there's but, major overhaul uh, necessities. Well, I don't
0: here. want a major overhaul either. Yeah. But, yeah. D.C., this is the second year yeah. that the scoring has been a problem. In the playoffs.
3: In the postseason, yep. yep. Yes.
0: I mean, that's... And I And mean, we can, okay. make, and oh, we can make that
3: argument with every other team as well, too, maybe except for maybe Tampa Bay. Yeah, but I, know, don't, you know, I don't, I don't really talk about any other team. I'm talking about our team. So, so, so <laughs> wait a second. Wait, wait a second. You're telling
2: me that last year it wasn't just because that, Thatcher Demko is the greatest goalie in the history of the game? There might have been a problem sure. on the Vegas end of it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, don't be pushing my buttons there, Frank.
3: <laughs> all right, now I'll, t- I'll tell you what I'm going to push your buttons with, okay? If if we get all of our money back and put money on Lomachenko tomorrow night, that'd be good. But I think the odds are going to be so high, uh, we won't be doing that. And, uh, no, but, we won't. But, be but, doing but, that. We, but we are going to see the Matrix in action tomorrow night, Armando, and you are too, my friend. Yes,
2: there
0: you yes, go. yes. Thank you for that, by the way. I appreciate that. You don't know how much I appreciate that. Thank you, and I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also – you know, part of me is kind of happy that we didn't have to make the decision of running from one place to another <laughs> like we had planned originally. <laughs> there you go, but man. You know how
3: that goes. We'll, we'll, we'll all up. right,
0: guys. Thank you. Now. we appreciate the I don't the want call. to hear about the Canadians no more. Okay, okay we're, we're done.
3: That's it. Our, 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 our hockey season's <laughs> over. Our, our wrap-up is over. It, it's done. You know, and Frank and I don't have to go to T-Mobile Arena for another four or five months. Okay, I know you don't want to
2: talk there about the go. Canadians, but real quick, Except I know you like all moment. former Golden Knights. You gotta be happy for Nick Suzuki, John Merrill, and even though he's been a healthy scratch, Thomas Tatar. Uh,
0: Okay, two out of the three. uh, Suzuki, no, because wow, I did not know how good he was. Dude, uh, he's a a great kid. That guy was the
2: thirteenth overall
3: pick. (laughs) I mean, you knew he was going to be good, right? And again, I understand you got to give away something to get something. I wouldn't get, you know, again. Where's that that for? Where's the Golden Knights' first round pick or first pick
0: of
2: the? Where's he at? He's playing in Henderson.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. You can't, I, I just wow. wouldn't have given up on Suzuki that, that quick. But anyway, that's me. Well, All you right.
0: know, they got patch already, and that worked. So, I mean, I thought it was it, it yeah. worked for everybody.
3: All right, brother. Thanks for the phone call, Mondo. Right, Appreciate it. There you go. All right. You to See you guys Saturday. buddy. You got <laughs> it. There he is. All right. We come back. Dr. Christina Madison, she is going to join us. And uh, we'll talk uh, the latest uh, COVID stuff as well, too. And we'll get her thoughts about the Olympic Games. We know they're going to go on, but, man. Controversy or not?
0: <laughs> Check out his big stethoscope or not. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin.
3: Live at Sunset Station on this Friday afternoon, getting ready for a big sports weekend. Aces in action on Sunday against the defending champ, the Seattle Storm. A rematch of the WNBA Finals from uh, last season in the bubble. So, that's a big game, too, for the Aces because... I'm just glad you said bubble. Bubble. Wubble. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, these are big games for tiebreaker opportunities because they play Seattle three times, they beat each other once. So, big game coming Sunday, 1 o'clock, nationally televised game on NBC. Or rather, ABC, I should say. And, of course, you can listen to it uh, with yours truly. A few notches down the dial on AM 1100, ESPN Las Vegas, 100.9 FM. So check it out. And if you're fortunate enough to go to the game at the Mandalay Bay Michelob Ultra Arena on Sunday, we'll see you there for a 1 o'clock tip-off. So we've got that. We've got we've hockey. We've got a busy We've we got baseball. We do. Yeah, we've got boxing coming your way tomorrow night with Vasily Lomachenko taking on Nakatani. Looking forward to that uh, ESPN top-ranked boxing. That will be an ESPN plus card, too. So you're
2: going from boxing to boxing out, although the big seven-footer says they don't do that anymore.
3: Yeah, he's right. Have you seen this? Gee. I have seen some of it, Especially the Bucs. Come on.
2: Maybe because they figure, well, everybody's shooting up threes anyhow. The ball's going What's the sense of boxing out? It's going to go 12 feet behind me when it hits and clangs off the rim.
3: Let's bring in our multi-talented athlete slash doctor slash cheerleader slash advocate for... Just about everything good. Slash FBI agent. FBI agent as well, too. This girl is packing. There's no question. Dr. Christina Madison, what is happening? Hey, guys. What's going on? Hey, we're it missing your lovely face. In the, missing your lovely face in the place here, you know?
4: I know. I was busy today, but never too busy to pick up the phone and hang out with you guys for a little bit and talk
3: shop. Well, that's awesome. Now, you're so busy because you've got some more covid clinics going on tomorrow as well too right
4: yes so i have two uh vaccine clinics tomorrow so one is going to be at huntridge family clinic in the morning from nine to noon and then another one with a fun hip dj uh at nevada partners from five to eight so you want to come and be entertained get your covid vaccine hang out
3: Okay, so what's the play- good time. What's the playlist looking like? now, if, if Dr. Christina Mass is putting that playlist together while people are getting their vaccines, what is it? Give, give me give me four or five songs.
4: Oh my goodness, you're putting me on the spot. I would say if it was me just something upbeat. I honestly, I use my Apple music, and so I just turn on the Good Vibes only station.
2: Wow. all right. well, well don't you have to play hit me with your best shot? I
3: mean, come on.
4: <laughs> okay. Understood
3: completely. <laughs> Nunchuck, g- it, Frank okay, g- uh, Numchuck, go ahead and give uh, Dr. Christina, uh, g- give her a jam or something, and see if she endorses this or not, so we can add to the playlist tomorrow. Okay, so then you can think about us. All right, that's what bum, you got to do. No, you did not go. Now, if if Dr. I'm Christine, not sure about that one. If, if, if
4: maybe you, what is it, Drake that has a song shot 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 shot
3: shot shot
4: everybody?
3: Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one, but I, I bet you don't know that song that numchuck just played because that's an old. I absolutely school. do not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be the birth of Butt Boogie. So uh, no injections are going in the backside, numchuck So I don't know what you're doing there. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God. <laughs> Oh, we're gonna go a little classic rock here. Is that where we're gonna go? Do you know this one? Barracuda, right? Ooh, Barracuda! A little heart. Oh. and Nancy Wilson. Look at awesome. That. Seen them in concert Woo. about a dozen times. There you go. See, that's not a B. That's like, yeah. All right. Now, are you? It phys- is. I like it. Are you physically going to be stabbing people tomorrow?
4: Absolutely. I will be the one. <laughs> I will be it.
3: I would not have it at any Cole's other way. Defense. Yep, I was a snob. I was a stab snob. I had to have her inject me. Well, she injected you too, Frank. Too. Yeah. Yeah, You're, I got the flu shot from her
2: way back when. Yeah, I was the first one yeah. to go and see her. You're the guinea pig. You yeah. know, so I didn't feel yeah. like a guinea pig. That's, I, what,
3: that's why I knew she was cool. I, I just uh, felt okay. like
2: I was the smart one that was trying to get protected. <laughs> <laughs> I agree.
3: All right. Dr. Madison, uh, a lot of talk here about the Olympic Games, the uh, Japanese government is very very leery about this and we are four weeks away what is the the threat and how much of a threat is it that the covid still exists there and we understand this has the nature of being a super spreader uh, event but what are you hearing what the japanese government is saying here
4: yeah it's been really interesting to kind of watch how they have rolled out their vaccinations and so um, as some people may or may not know, obviously other countries um did not have access to the vaccines as quickly as the United States did. Um part of that was because two of the major manufacturers are actually located in the United States. And so that uh, obviously hindered some things. But the the interesting thing is that, you know, they started off with healthcare workers like they did with us here in the US and then they uh Started vaccinating the elderly, but they still only have about three percent of their population vaccinated, and their case numbers are still through the roof. They're about um, as of June 18th. It was almost 800 thousand confirmed cases. Uh, luckily, they don't have as many deaths as we did here in the United States, but it is definitely a concern, especially because they are allowing um, you know local residents to be able to be spectators at some of these events. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys probably remember they made the announcement that there was going to be a donation of the Pfizer vaccine for all of the athletes. But again, the athletes are very wary about getting vaccinated because they're worried it may somehow alter their performance at the Games. So, you know, it's been a really interesting, you know, unfortunate experiment to sort of see, you know, them be so adamant, the Olympic committee be so adamant about hosting the games. But then there's definitely a divide with the, you know, with the Japanese public thinking that this is potentially going to spread infection in an already, you know, partially shut down society. So I I honestly have no idea what they're going to be able to do in just one month. Um, But whatever they're going to do, they're going to have to do it pretty quickly.
3: What are your thoughts on that, though? Is that a legitimate concern that if they get the vaccine, could it alter their performance?
4: I mean, at this point, there's really nothing to suggest that. However, I would say if you say for like the messenger RNA vaccine, there is, um, you know, if you're young, otherwise healthy, competent immune system, you potentially could have uh, more side effects from the second dose versus the first dose. And so if they were getting that second dose too close to when they needed to compete, I absolutely understand why that could be a concern. However, it it actually changing their performance. No, I wouldn't say that, but definitely the potential for side effects, but it's usually self-limiting within about 48 to 72 hours of receiving the vaccine. So it is all about timing. The earlier they get the vaccine, the better, but you know, that hesitant because of the fact that it's unknown and you know, these, this version of the vaccination is, is new to us. um, I can see why some athletes may be hesitant, but again, protecting themselves during the games, knowing that they're going to be around all these different people from all over the world with varying vaccination statuses. If it were me, I would want to be protected.
2: Well, and I know you're talking about the athletes and their concerns about it. I've heard reports from as much as 60 to 80% of the people in Japan are against the Olympics coming there, but it seems like they're going to soldier on and get them done. But I've also been reading stuff about that and seeing it on the news reports that The Olympics are having a problem right now because a lot of the volunteers, people that volunteered to work some of these events, are now pulling back because – they're afraid of the world coming over there and the vaccines, like you mentioned, and then the different variants like the Delta variant that we talked about last time you were on the show here. It's in the United States. It's, uh, it's all over the place. And so there's a lot of fear about that. And right now, one of the other concerns is, do they even have enough people to work these events? And I believe when it comes to the fans and attendance, they're going to allow up to like 50 percent at the different venues.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely uh, a consideration. And, you know, if you don't have enough people to work these events, it's going to be really hard to pull this off without some sort of issue. Right. Like, you know, if you're going to these events and they don't have enough people to take tickets or to be able to help people get into the venues, it could really slow things down. So even if you wanted to have 50% occupancy for these events, you may not be able to if you don't have enough people to be able to help these people get into the event. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a concern. It's definitely something that, you know, here in the United States, we're all looking, looking at, at, you know, what's going to happen. Obviously, you know, we have skin of the game here in Nevada as we have a, you know, a a local teenager that's off to the Olympics, just qualified in swimming. You know, we're all concerned about, you know, whether or not their safety is going to be there um, you know, whether or not they're going to be able to get access, you know, with the Olympic village that takes a ton of people to run. So that's where they get all their meals. That's where they're sleeping these are all things that are definitely a consideration and I don't know. Honestly, it could go one of two ways. I think that it could be a experiment um, in, you know, try to get this done in a hurry and it may go off without a hitch and everything may fall into place or the opposite, which would be that, Because of the low vaccination rate, because of the fact that they still have rising cases, because they can't get volunteers, and because the athletes aren't vaccinated, it could potentially turn into a super spreader event that could go back to the globe. Yes. Right, because all these people returning to their home country, Mm -hmm. they could seed more infection.
3: Yeah, several uh, local Las Vegans participating in the Olympics, including Vashti Cunningham, our good friend Randall Cunningham's daughter, who qualified in the high jump. One and, of the uh, best high
2: jumpers in the yeah, world. Yeah,
3: and uh, again, For that's, a while, though. Yeah, yeah, so reached out to Randall the other day as well, too. We're going to try to get them on the show again as well. So, Dr. Christina Madison is joining us. Christina, the thing that is, um, was, was concerning to me last night when we are watching the hockey game and the last couple of games in Montreal there, you know, Montreal... And, you know, all of Canada, they have their restrictions on how many fans can be in attendance. T-Mobile Arena, we understand it's just, boom, it's back to normal. It's 18,000 plus, no masks. But we go to Montreal, there's 3,500. And then they keep showing the shots of outside the building. There had to be between fifteen and 20,000 people there. I really didn't see any masks or many masks at all. They're all, you know, arm and arm out On there, top of each other. On top of each other. What is going on there in Canada where you can limit the number of people inside, properly spaced, but outside, it's a free-for-all?
4: Yeah, it's definitely, um, it does look bad from an optics standpoint, right? So it's like you're limiting how many people can be inside the actual arena, but then you're not doing anything about social distancing and some of those public health uh, recommendations outside of the arena. So I, I definitely think when you look at it just based on risk, being outdoors versus indoors is definitely safer. But you negate some of that when you cut down on the social distancing and also when people are not mask wearing. So we know that this virus is uh, not only transmitted from respiratory droplets, but can be aerosolized, So the fact that these people are arm in arm, you know, probably yelling at the top of their lungs when their favorite player makes a, you know, a block or um, scores a goal, it it definitely does, uh, you know, lend itself to thinking that these people may need to go get a COVID test after this, right? Because their vaccination rates are even lower than ours. Um, And they've had a slow start to their vaccine program in Canada as well because they initially um, got, I believe, the AstraZeneca vaccine and then there was sort of some debate about whether or not to use that and they're just now getting... Uh, you know, more vaccine supply. So their vaccination rates are not good. And so if you look out to that crowd, you're probably thinking maybe, maybe three out of 10 of those people are vaccinated. That's, that's a bit scary. So uh my recommendation would be to anybody who was there and who was in that huddle, they should definitely probably get a COVID test um, just to be on the safe side, right. And isolate if they come back positive.
2: You know, I know we're talking about uh, different things with the COVID vaccine and different things around more than just the United States. But I wanted to ask you this, too, real quick, because and, and I'm sure that you saw this. But in the Philippines right now, President Duarte down there is threatening to arrest anybody who refuses to get the vaccine. Uh, how, how do you think that looks on the stage with a lot of people that don't want to get it? And down there, they're just saying either get it or go to jail.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. I think, obviously, um, you know, there is a fine line between suggesting, hoping, recommending, mandating, and then jail, right? Like, those, that spectrum is, uh, you know, it, it is a little bit um, difficult to walk. Uh, obviously, here in the United States, that would not fly. But, you know, should we be uh, threatening uh, incarceration, Um, I'll tell you, obviously, from a public health standpoint, it is something that we've done in the past. So an example where we do do that is with tuberculosis. So in this country, we do have laws on the books that if somebody has active, what we call communicable or transmissible tuberculosis and they refuse treatment, those people can be legally incarcerated and, and, and be treated. Um, and they have to be isolated, right? So I think it's sort of that thought process. Obviously, I think it might be a little far, um, to, you know, tell people that they'll be jailed because obviously them being in a high congregate setting like a, a jail or a prison could potentially spread COVID. Um, but that concept of taking out the, the potential um, risk for spread or uh, possibility for transmission. We actually have done things like that in the past. I think this just might be a little bit, you know, beyond what we can do for adults that could, you know, potentially isolate in their homes, right? Because really what it comes down to is, you know if you choose not to be vaccinated that's fine you can choose to be unvaccinated in your home but once you come out into public spaces and you potentially threaten the health and wellness and the lives of the public and others then that becomes an issue all
3: right she is dr christina Madison, Roseman university public health com. that is her website she's got a podcast go ahead and plug away my dear
4: Oh, yes. You can find me at the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast, which is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, on any of your favorite podcast uh, channels, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts.
3: She is the social media queen. She is the public health expert. Love having her on. Have yourself a great weekend. Have a good, good time. And, and again, uh, and uh, good luck with the vaccinations over the weekend uh, tomorrow as well, too.
4: Yes, we'll have some opera music in the morning and a DJ at night. Yeah,
2: bust a move. All right, take care. But, but doing the five-to-eight shift, guess she can't join us at the fights. Yeah.
3: Dr. Christina Masson, we appreciate you. All right, if you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. And, again, we're available on all of those podcast platforms as well, too. Have yourself a good one. We reconvene here Monday at 2.